morning i just want to you know continue to remain in the same line same thinking that what god has been already putting in our hearts <coughs> let's turn our bibles to psalm 51 just want to you know uh, focus a little bit today on psalm 51 to understand what the word of god says i believe psalm 51 is a prayer for revival if not a corporate revival at is at least it is a prayer for an individual revival to get a little bit background about psalm 51 if you can turn with me to second samuel second samuel chapter 11 second samuel chapter 11 verses 1 to 5 second samuel chapter 11 verses 1 to 5 i'll read it for you that's the story behind psalm 51 Second Samuel chapter 11 verse 1 It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all the Israel and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Raba but David remained at Jerusalem Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful to behold so David sent and inquired about that woman and someone said is is this not Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam the wife of Raya the Hittite Then David sent messengers and took her and she came to him and he lay with her for she was cleansed from her impurity and she returned to her house was 5 and the woman conceived so she sent and told David and said I am with child Here we see a story behind Psalm 51 Now David knowing that she is conceived David was trying to kill her husband We read that in the same chapter verses 15 to 17 And he wrote in the letter saying set Uriah the wife of Bathsheba in the friend forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down and die So it was while Joab besieged the city that he assigned Uriah the place where he knew there were valiant men. Verse 17. Then the men of the city came out and fought with Joab, and some of the people of the servants of David fell, and Uriah the Hittite died also. So here we see David getting into a sin full situation with Bathsheba and he decided to kill Uriah the wife uh, the husband of Bathsheba now what happened immediately after this david was a favorite man of god favorite man of god's heart and god is sending his prophet to david we read that in second samuel chapter 12 verses 1 to 13 then the lord sent nathan to david and he came to him and said to him there were two men in one city one rich and the other poor the rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb which he had bought 
and nourished and it grew up together with him and with his children it ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom and it was like a daughter to him and a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him but he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him he killed the lamb of the poor man so David's anger was greatly aroused against the man and he said to Nathan as the Lord lives the man who has done this shall surely die and he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity then Nathan said to David you are the man thus says the Lord God of Israel I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hands of Saul I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah and if that had been too little I also would have given you much more why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight you have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword you have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife thus says the Lord behold I will raise up adversity against you from your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor and he shall live with your wife in the sight of the son verse 12 for you did it secretly but I will do this thing before all Israel before the son verse 13 so David said to Nathan I have sinned against the Lord and Nathan said to David the Lord also has put away your sin you shall not die David as a man was pleasing God's heart the moment he realized that he sinned he was not delaying and he is coming back now if you can turn with me to psalm you know there is an introduction to that psalm it says to the chief musician a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba and the verse 1 starts have mercy upon me O God according to your loving kindness according to the multitude of your tender mercies blot out my transgressions and he goes on and on and crying out to God for forgiveness as I was looking into this this morning you know God was revealing me this is what is the prayer we need as we are seeking for revival you know it was true David was living godly and some you know some way along the line he moved away from God and he was in need of a revival in his life in my life in our lives we are all in need of a revival and we need to make a prayer such as David made on the other day you know prayer is the key for personal revival and the same prayer is the key for church revival or corporate revival and prayer is the key for the revival of the nation you know prayer means focusing God even as we read Psalm 51 you know we come across you know the way 
David was focusing on the Lord. Let's read Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge behold I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me behold you desire truth in my inward parts and in the hidden part of hidden part you will make me to know wisdom purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean wash me and I shall be whiter than snow make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities create in me a clean heart O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed O God the God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness O Lord open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would have given it you do not delight in burnt offerings the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart these O God you will not despise do good in your good Good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. With burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. She just made a cry to God and asking God, Lord, revive my life, Lord. It is true that I have sinned, but Lord, it is a prayer to you. Lord, revive and quicken my life for God. You know, prayer means focusing on God. Throughout this psalm, you know, he is mentioning your loving kindness your tender mercies it is you and you only Lord your face I seek your presence your salvation your Holy Spirit Lord your generous spirit your ways your righteousness your praise your good pleasure and your altar everything is centered around God you know when children of God when we seek out you know deliverance from God when we pray for revival God is the center he is the center of everything you know today when people you know try to bring revival into churches when people work towards it and pray about it you know the center is shifted from God to an individual who can stand in front of the crowd and perform it is nothing about them it is all about God when we pray for revival we need to center everything around God that's what exactly David was doing I just want to you know break this chapter into few sections probably just start with the section one prayer of confession prayer of confession we read that from verses 3 to 60 sorry 6 verses 3 to 6 we read through it verses 3 to 6 that's where we see David is confessing he's saying I acknowledge my transgressions my sin is always before me 
Lord against you only against you I sinned and done this evil thing before you that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge behold I was brought forth in my iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me see the way he is confessing behold you desire truth in the inward part and in the hidden part you will make me known wisdom I know about you I know about myself I acknowledge that I am a sinner I also know that my mother brought me you know into sin even by birth I am a sinner even with my deed today I am a sinner and I am confessing my sins I think the first step of any revival any individual revival starts with confessing our sins you know when we receive salvation there are few steps you know we are taken through as one of the steps is basically we need to confess our sins we need to confess our sins you know confession is very very important not to confess our sins to any man but to confess our sins to God and confessing our sins to God is very very important Proverb 28:13 says he who covers his sin will not proper but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy Proverb 28:13 confessing sin is the you know is biblical and how do we confess sin we need to just go to the you know to God and sat down and think about our situation as I was pointing out other day the true revival is to understand the gulf the great gulf between our lives and the holiness of God and when we think about that we come out with a list of things in our life they are not pleasing God tell God one by one confess to God one by one you know we may not be able to share things outside I know I'm not able to share everything outside because I don't want others to know about it it is fine it is good but at the same time let's not do it with God let me not do that with God because God knows everything he knows inmost part of my, my life you know David is such a transparent man before God you know that's something I like about all of us like about David he's just transparent the moment he fails he falls he is just ready and uh, to say that I am a sinner Lord forgive me you know it's very difficult do you know that you know it's, it's very difficult at times for us to say and confess to the Lord Lord I just made a mistake I committed a mistake I just want to continue to live for you Lord help me here you know our God is so gracious that's why he sang he's starting the song have mercy upon me oh God according to your loving kindness according to the multitude of your tender mercies you know he is just putting God on the spot and telling him Lord you are such a gracious God I know even though I made sin even though I committed sin I know that you will forgive me you know that is something very precious very precious for every one of us you know as we walk we may make mistakes but the moment we make mistakes let's be open to God transparent to God and tell him Lord I am a sinner you know that brings us to a level we can move further you know the moment we don't confess that it is just somewhere hidden in the bottom of our heart and we will not be able to come out of it secondly we see we see or we hear a plea for forgiveness verse 2 he says wash me thoroughly for my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin 
Lord wash me thoroughly he felt he realized confession alone is not enough I need to be washed I need to be cleansed that's where the forgiveness is and verse 7 purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean wash me and I shall be whiter than snow verse 9 hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities Lord forgive my sins wash me word of God says in 1st John 1 7 if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all our sins you know washing by the precious blood of Jesus is, an, is, is, is important as we look for personal revival in our lives the moment you confess we just we don't leave it there we ask God Lord wash my life wash my life wash my sins you know the, when, when a cloth is dirty we just take it through a process of washing and cleansing and it comes out as clean as white and that's what God wants to do us in our lives he wants to wash our lives and make ourselves pure in front of people and in front of the corrupted generation when we walk God wants us to be seen as washed as clean as possible it is possible that some of the dirts you know we carry in our body as we walk along in this earth but the moment we get an opportunity just ask our Lord wash me and cleanse me it is so important that our children God's children are washed every minute he's using one herb he's saying in verse 7 purge me with high soap and if you go to Old Testament, hyssop is a is a herb that has significance in the Word of God. You know, bunches of hyssop was used to dip in the basin of blood of the Passover lamb, and it is applied to the lintels and the doorpost by the children of Israel. That's what it, they did in Egypt. They used hyssop. They dipped the herb in the blood and then they used like a brush to apply blood. So hyssop was an important significant element in the cleansing process. Even when the leper got healed there is a cleansing ceremony that has to happen to a leper. Hyssop was dipped again into the blood of a bird and used to sprinkle on the unclean person to make him clean and get him accepted into the congregation hyssop was an important herb even in John 19:29, we read when Jesus was crying out at the cross that he was, he was thirst and you know word of God says in John 19:29, now a vessel full of sour vinegar was sitting there and they filled a sponge with sour wine put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth hyssop was used everywhere and it, is, it goes very well with the blood so when we have when David is crying out here purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean you know when they use hyssop the blood will get into the places where your hands probably cannot reach other spoons or other vessels cannot reach hyssop can make sure the blood is sprinkled everywhere you know that's what God wants to do in our lives too when we pray Lord sprinkle your blood Lord we don't want to leave any small even small room for enemy to get into our life my life I just want everything to be cleansed everything to be washed unconfessed sins need to be confessed and we need to ask for God's forgiveness thirdly there's a prayer of repentance verses 10 and 11 
It's a prayer of repentance, create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take thy Holy Spirit. It is rather a cry for repentance. A cry of repentance. He understood that his sins need to be confessed. He did. He understood. He realized his sins need to be washed. And he did that. Now he is saying, Lord, I don't want to get back to my old life again. I don't want to commit the sin that I did again in my life. I want to move on to repentance. I want to turn back my ways. And I want to move to God. And continue to live godly on this earth. That's what repentance means. And here he is saying, Lord... I am repenting. Help me out here. And he is saying, give me a clean heart. Clean heart talks about the inner purity. You know, word of God says, heart is, you know, the most evil in our body. That's where every evil thing starts from our heart. And he is asking, Lord, clean my heart. So it shows the inner purity that we need in our thinking, you know, the way we look, in our, in our desire. Everything needs to be pure in front of God. And God is expecting that in our lives. Lord, create me, give me a, and renew me a steadfast spirit within me. He's saying, Lord, give me a steadfast spirit. Every time, I don't want to get up and fall down. Again I get up, again I fall down. The things I think I, I, I shouldn't do in my life, I end up in doing the same thing. Again I come back and I again conf- confess that sin to you and ask your, uh, my sins to be washed by the blood. Lord, take this kind of life away from me. And he's saying, give me a steadfast spirit. Steadily I'll be able to walk with God. Steadily I'll be able to walk in revival. You know, that's what is cry. And he is saying, do not cast me away from your presence. He is saying, do not cast me away from your presence. Your presence cannot hold sin. Your presence cannot hold any impurity. Lord, don't throw me out of your presence. That means, he is saying, Lord, keep me pure. So that I will be found always in your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit. Lord, I want to continually live for you. I want your continual leading and guidance of your spirit. Do not take that spirit from my life. He was crying out for help here. As he decided, very solid, very concretely, he decided to repent from his old and old ways into a newness of life. I believe that is what is revival. You know, that is what the churches are in need today. That's where it has to be, that's what needs to be preached to the churches. Let's move on. We see a section there. The rest, he is crying out for restoration. He is crying out for restoration. Verses 13 and 8. 13 says, Then I will teach. Sorry, 12. He says, 12 and 13, Restore me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. He is crying out for restoration. Lord, whatever happened in my life, it has happened. Now restore me. Give me the joy back in my life. Give me that joy back in my life. You know the first thing that we lose. The moment we commit a sin. The moment we do something which is not pleasing God. We lose the joy. And we lose the peace in our mind. I mean at least I do that. 
I experience that. I lose the joy. Then unless I go to him and rectify it, I ask him to restore the joy in my life. You know, I just get carried away by so many things and that's the time you see all the other burden of this world will come into my life. You know, that's the time you see there are so many problems which I feel it is so heavy that I cannot handle it. The moment we give a room for the enemy to get in, that's the time he comes in and he is crying out. David is not giving any time for the enemy to, you know, put him, put, put him down. He is crying out and saying, Lord, give me the joy. Restore me the joy of your salvation. Restore me. And verse 8 again he is saying, he is asking him to restore. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my transgressions. At least in verse 8 he is saying, Lord, restore me. What does it mean to say the bones that you have broken may rejoice? Where his bones were broken? You know, I understood this way. Broken bones refers to such deep damage the sin has caused in his life. He is crying out, Lord, restore me. Let the joy of gladness come back to me. That your bones that you have broken may rejoice. The sin that is committed, it is not just in his eyes, not just in his mind, not in his heart, not in his skin, not in his flesh. It has even gone in so deep into his bones and it caused damage there. You know, that's what sin does to a child of God. When a child of God falls in sin, it, it, it doesn't leave him. Or in fact, you know, the conscience, conscience uh, uh, and the conviction, they don't you know, leave a child of God just to say, Lord, forgive me and walk away. No, it's not possible. That sin, when we commit a sin, that sin goes so deep into the bone and it makes damage to the bone. It takes time to cure at times. It is so deep. Exactly, David has gone through such a deep sin, uh, such a deep wound of his sin into his bones and that's why he's saying Lord that the bones you have broken may rejoice broken may rejoice it's a prayer of restoration prayer of deliverance verse 14 deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed I shed an innocent blood Deliver me, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. It's a prayer of deliverance. Lord, wash me, forgive me. I want to continue to live in deliverance out of the guilt of sin. You know, that's where we need deliverance. That's where we need deliverance. If we don't have the deliverance, we don't experience the revival in our lives. We need that kind of deliverance. You know, sometimes we believe that our sins are washed by the blood. But you know, the guilt of sin, it comes in our lives again and again. The words which we would have spoken at some point of time to somebody. But then, you know, we would, he would have forgiven or we would have forgiven, we would have forgotten about it. But then later on at times, it comes and hits us. You know, it is very difficult to get deliverance out of it. You know, today families are going through that struggle. You know, individual lives are going through the struggle. Churches are the communities broken because of such things. Because 
because they are not able to get out of things in their lives and that's where he is asking for deliverance Lord deliver me not from the sin he is very specific deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed from the guilt of bloodshed you know what the sin is washed away the moment we confess our sins and we ask Lord to wash us but that guilt is continued to reside in our subconscious mind the guilt or the shame in the other side continue to remind in our mind and that's where we need the deliverance so David is making step by step prayer here to be washed to be forgiven to be you know to 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 to, to restore his life and now he is asking Lord deliver me finally he's making a prayer of pleasing God verse 16 to 19 he's saying for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would have given it you do not delight in burnt offerings the sacrifices of God are broken spirit a broken and contrite heart these O God you will not despise do good in your good pleasure to Zion build the walls of Jerusalem then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness with burnt offering and whole burnt offering then they shall offer bulls on your altar you know pleasing God a prayer to please God I would say it's a kind of you know chief end to this prayer in Psalm 51 sacrifices of righteousness he's talking about sacrifices of righteousness Lord you don't really desire the sacrifices of bulls and the animals but you are looking into my innermost part and all that sacrifice that God is looking for is a broken spirit and the contrite spirit you know brokenness and contriteness is, is talked about in the Bible even in other places let's read one reference let's go to Psalm, uh, Proverb 28 verse 14 Proverb 28 we may not have time for the other references but let's read one or two scriptures before we close Proverb 28 verse 14 word of God says happy is the man who is always reverent but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity God is telling us not to harden our heart always have the reverence of God the reverence to God always you know have the, having the fear of God in our lives always having a broken heart brokenness and contriteness is very much essential to please God you know when we come closer to God when we pray in when we kneel down and pray to God God is expecting a broken spirit within us you know we can be bold outside but then inwardly to God we need to be broken vessels then only God can work in our lives then only God can do something in our lives brokenness and contriteness he's also saying God you are expecting the sacrifices of my whole being my whole being you are not pleased in burnt offerings you are expecting me to be brought in your presence as a sacrifice Romans 12 1 talks about you know giving all our parts of our body as a living sacrifice to God in surrender that's what God is expecting and bringing bulls and sacrificing in the altar at the end of this chapter it talks about worship 
it talks about worship let's read one or two scriptures here Hosea chapter uh, 14 verse 2 I can read it for you Hosea chapter 14 verse 2 says take words with you and return to the Lord say to him take away all iniquity receive us graciously for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips Hosea chapter 14 verse 2 we will bring our sacrifices we will offer sacrifices of our lips you know that's the kind of sacrifice God expects let's read Hebrew 13 15 Hebrews 13 15 word of God says therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God you know today that's what God expects in our lives let our lives be broken let us bring our parts of our body in surrender to God as a temple of God let's bring everything in the presence of God and ask God to wash and cleanse and then we will start praising God with the lips that's the sacrifice that God is expecting in us you know as we conclude one thing that stands out as David prayed this psalm we realize he knew how to pray for revival in his life and let's keep this as a guide let's keep this as a focus in our lives the moment whenever we go away from God let's read the psalm let's commit our ways to God and ask God Lord revive my life I need revival in my personal life I'm sure God will talk to us more about it in the coming days and as he is taking us into the revival Amen